Welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God. His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I am your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thank you to our generous underwriters here on Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Monday, August 22nd, we are studying Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 1 to 32. Moses urges the people to love the Lord and to keep his commandments in the promised land, the place where the Lord intends to bless his people richly. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have with us returning guest, Pastor Andy Wright. Pastor Wright serves at St. John Lutheran Church in Keystone, Iowa. Pastor Wright, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Great to be back with you here on this day. So we get started today, Pastor Wright. Give us a little bit of context. What should we know about the book of Deuteronomy? Anything that Moses has been saying leading up to chapter 11? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, when we think of Deuteronomy, a lot of those names, as probably previous guests have kind of hashed out, a lot of those kind of come from some of the uh, Greek names of different things, of names of the book. But we think about Deuteronomy as kind of the second giving or second iteration of the law. So when you start getting in kind of the, the meat and potatoes of the book of Deuteronomy, there's a whole lot of stuff about God's law and preparing them as they now transition from this point of being, you know, taken out of Egypt and going into the promised land, preparing for that point. So, you know, here in chapter 11, then where kind of God is telling them, uh, reiterating a lot of these things about his law, about his commandments and telling them what life is going is to be like for them as they are preparing for that and what it will be for them in the future. And so there's kind of that going on. So the previous chapter uh, has that, you know, famous kind of language of the, the circumcise your heart, you know, so this kind of call to repentance. And then God will pick up with that here at the beginning of chapter 11. And then following this chapter, then we have then kind of getting to some uh, stuff dealing with their worship as well as they talk about God, you know, uh, directing them how they are to to worship him faithfully. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of seen that back in chapter five, where Moses began his second sermon, the which is the bulk of Deuteronomy. He got you have the foundation there of the Decalogue, the ten words, and then from there, Moses has spent a good chunk of time talking really about the first commandment and expl- explicating various ways that it applies to the people of Israel as they prepare to enter the promised land. Chapter 11, I think, still pretty much fits with that first commandment meditation, but we do start to see, beginning in chapter 12, that there is a bit of a transition within the sermon, now beginning to think not just of the first commandment, but other commandments. The chapter 12, third commandment is really going to be in play. We're going to see the first table of the law. And then, of course, that expands into, into all the commandments, not necessarily in the, the same order as they're given in the Decalogue, but they're all going to be put to practice for the people of Israel, all based on the fact of who God is, what he's done for his people. We got a good chunk of text for us today. So let's start reading here in Deuteronomy chapter 11. You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. And consider today, since I am not speaking to your children who have not known or seen it, consider the discipline of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his outstretched arm, 
his signs and his deeds that he did in Egypt to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to all his land, and what he did to the army of Egypt, to their horses and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea flow over them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord has destroyed them to this day, and what he did to you in the wilderness until you came to this place, and what he did to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, son of Reuben, how the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, with their households, their tents, and every living thing that followed them in the midst of all Israel. For your eyes have seen all the great work of the Lord that he did. You shall therefore keep the whole commandment that I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and take possession of the land that you are going over to possess, and that you may live long in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them and to their offspring, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land that you are entering to take possession of it, is not like the land of Egypt, from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and irrigated it like a garden of vegetables. But the land that you are going over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water by the rain from heaven, a land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And if you will indeed obey my commandments that I command you today, to love the Lord your God, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, He will give the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the later rain, that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. And he will give grass in your fields for your livestock, and you shall eat and be full. Take care, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will shut up the heavens, so that there will be no rain, and the land will yield no fruit, and you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord is giving you. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, and when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. For if you will be careful to do all this commandment that I command you to do, loving the Lord your God, walking in all his ways, and holding fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than yourselves. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Your territory shall be from the wilderness to the Lebanon, and from the river the river Euphrates to the western sea. No one shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will lay the fear of you and the dread of you on all the land that you tread, as he promised you. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today, to go after other gods that you have not known. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it, you shall set the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. Are they not beyond the Jordan, west of the road, toward the going down of the sun, in the land of the Canaanites who live in the Arabah, opposite Gilgal, beside the Oak of Morah? For you are to cross over the Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And when you possess it and live in it, you shall be careful to do all the statutes and the rules that I am setting before you today. So text for today, that's Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 1 to 32. So Pastor Wright, 
the first seven verses seem to go together. It's, it's almost one long sentence where the Lord, or a cup, two long sentences, I should say. The second one is pretty long, where the Lord is is giving his people, here's what you are to do, why you are to do it. Take us into those first seven verses of this chapter. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of, lot of stuff there. And it, it's interesting, kind of, even just the language that gets used here um, that Moses records for us, uh, God's word. Um, and, you know, notice t- kind of too how it all starts off, you shall love the Lord your God. Mm. And I think that's an important thing for us to think about. You know, um, there's a lot of stuff in this chapter that kind of maybe we start to squirm a little bit. And, uh, you know, it, it almost, if we don't understand things rightly, we can kind of get into like, wait a minute, is this a works righteousness or or what's the case mm. may be? But I mean, first and foremost, these are God's people He's t- he's talking to here. Right. These are these are not some, you know, foreign people. These are, you know, for lack of a better, these are Christians. Right. I mean, Christians in the Old Testament, the Jewish people. And so when he commands them to love the Lord, your God, and to to keep his charge, his statutes, his rules and his commandments, always kind of that that first sentence, which kind of really everything kind of unpacks from that and comes back to that at the end of this chapter. That's a, a command and an admonition and instruction to his people who who have been marked as his own. You know, and anytime we talk about a discussion of the the law or this idea of obeying, that's good for us to know. You know, we love because he first loved us. So this is mm-hmm. flowing from that. You know, their their um their relationship to him as his his people. Hit you know who are under his covenant. So I think that's an important factor for us to remember. Um. So. But there's that loving God, and so then he kind of then lays out what does this love of God look like in their lives as they are these people who have God has been taking them, you know, out of Egypt, leading them through the wilderness, through all of things that that is entailed. And now, you know, as they're looking forward into this promised land, well, first he says, keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. And we could probably spend the whole hour just looking at those different words that get used there, (laughs) you know, each one of those things. I mean, but kind of just highlight some of those things. Like we think about like his charge you know, the, the word that's used there is kind of like a, a guard or, or watch or something that you would, you know, kind of even like treasure, you know, that that kind of stuff, something they've been given, you know, he, he gives you to watch over, right? Mm-hmm. Um, his statutes, uh, things we think about, you know, that term gets used often, like something prescribed, you know, as well, or even sometimes ordinances. Rules can also even be translated maybe even as judgments here, I think, mm-hmm. Um that kind of that word in Hebrew, my Hebrew is pretty rusty, but I, I think that's the word also for judgment. So you can correct me if I'm wrong for that. And then his commandments. So, but when we put all of that together, I think we can kind of safely say, you know, this is kind of like what we use, you know, just his whole word, just keep these things, you know, what he's, what he's given you, what he's handed down, what he's entrusted you with his commandments, all of that, you know, keep those things, honor those things and love God. And, uh, so then he, that's, that's kind of like what he, you know, lays before them. And then this, and, and next, then he then tells them, okay, guys, now that I've given you this commandment, I want you to think about something. He says, mm-hmm. consider today, right? Since I'm not speaking to your children who have not known it or seen it, consider the discipline of the Lord, your God, you know, the, the, the upcoming, um, we're on the, the, uh, the one-year lectionary here at St. John and Keystone. And as we're recording this, you know, so it'll be after the fact when this is, you know, when the viewers are listening to it, but the, the old, or the epistle reading for, for this coming Sunday is from first Corinthians chapter 10, you know, that when we think about the, temp, the talking about temptation 
and learning from um, what has gone before us. And these things are written, right? You know, um, and be warned lest you too, if you you know think you're something, lest you fall. And for people, for God to tell them, like, listen, guys, consider the discipline of God. Consider what's happened. Consider what God and the purpose and all of that too, as you're thinking about loving Him and doing as He commands. And you know that that idea of discipline and the discipline of God serving a purpose really kind of I think you know shines forth in this as well, laying out who God is and why He does that, and even that there's mercy in that too. That God, hmm. God, even in that discipline, He you know a smoldering wick He will not quench. Right? He he even tempers some of that too. You know, look at what I did. Look at all these crazy things. Yeah. I mean, even swallowing people up into the earth, but yet what? <laughs> I still have been merciful to you, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that's quite something when you kind of think about all of this. And as he begins that chapter, kind of with laying all of that out and just kind of God's very character and who we are in relation to that. I think the the use of the word discipline there in verse two is pretty important. The The ESV has a note there that the word, the Hebrew word could also be translated instruction. And in a commentary I read uh, from Pro- from Professor Harstad, he notes that in the in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, this word is translated with the the Greek word that we get pedagogy from. Mm-hmm. So that the and I think that's that's a striking way of thinking about the Lord's discipline. That it's not sometimes I think we hear the word discipline and we think punishment or consequences. Rather, the way that Moses portrays it here in the way that he explains it is actually the Lord was teaching you things through all these things, which is what a, what a wonderful way to think about then all the things that he lists. And I think that's how they, they fit together then, because there are acts that are clearly acts of salvation for God's people, judgment for his enemies. But then, as you said, you know, when you've got the earth opening up to, to swallow these sons of Reuben, like, wait, where's the, where's the instruction there? I mean, that's the, I think that's what the wonderful thing about this section is to see how discipline is also instruction. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and even too, I think we can kind of, you know, using scripture to interpret scripture too, you know, you think about even that, that idea of, of pedagogy and, and teaching and instruction, but, but with discipline as well, like thinking about like Hebrews 12 comes to mind, right. you know, that it's even a mark of sonship, you know, mm. so yeah. that, that they're God's people and that's why he disciplines them. You know, it's, if they weren't his people, they would stand under his wrath and judgment. I mean, he warns, yeah, them, that's right. he warns them about that, but for them, this discipline is something that, Hey guys, even as crazy as this stuff is, learn something from it. You know, I mean, and so, uh, you know, it, when, you remember, guys, when I opened up the earth and swallowed up the the sons of Korah, you know, in the rebellion, um, you know, remember that? Learn from that. <laughs> Learn from yeah, that. That's right. You know, and um, but yeah, that's a great point, that idea of instruction included with that. But I mean, it gets to kind of even the very nature, too, of God's law that we'll see in this as well. And like how he how they are to kind of um, keep it, you know, and f- at the forefront of their lives that that God's law actually teaches them things and, uh, and it serves a purpose in that regard as well. Mm, yeah. yeah. The other thing that comes through, I think, in these first seven verses is the way Moses particularly singles out the eyewitnesses. It, in the ESV, there's this, it's parenthetical in verse two, where Moses says, I'm not speaking to your children who have not known it or seen it. And then in verse seven, he says, your eyes have seen all the great work of the Lord that he did. The, the way that he invites them to consider, look, this wasn't sort of done off in a corner or somewhere where nobody heard about it. You actually were a part of this. You saw the Lord do these things. 
don't forget it. And of course, that's a that's a huge theme in the book of Deuteronomy elsewhere. You know, remember these things. Don't forget them. And here Moses particularly says, you saw them. I mean, how much how much greater than is the effect because you are the eyewitness of these things. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point with that. And uh, which is which is an interesting thing, too, as you think about then kind of the greater context. Here's Moses then who saw even the yeah. backside of God. And he's called to remember these things. He's seen these things, but yet he he did not. He saw he got a glimpse of the promised land, but he he didn't enter into it, you know. Mm. But the Lord was still faithful and all of that as well. Um, it's just uh, when when you kind of look at that that whole big picture, you see just man's sin, but yet God's God's forgiveness and His faithfulness, even despite despite the best efforts of man at the contrary at times. Yeah, yeah. As as Moses moves then into verses eight and following, again we have a, a reiteration keeping the commandment. And now, again, as we've seen in Deuteronomy already, and we'll continue to see, Moses begins to attach promises to what God commands. You keep God's commands, good things are going to happen to you. What do, what do we see in verses eight and following? I think we see um, kind of, you know, you see some of the the temporal effects even of of being faithful to God and following his, his law. Um, this is where I think sometimes we get a little uneasy, like, you know, do this and good things will happen, right? I mean, it's not a prosperity gospel, but at the same token, I mean, there's something to be said that, you know, when I when I take, a, especially adult confirmands through the small catechism, and we're going through like the fourth commandment, for instance, you know, and the, the promise, you know, that uh, honor your father and your mother, that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving to you. When parents are honored by their children, their life at home is better, right? Yes. That's <laughs> I right. mean, being fa- both of us are fathers, when your kids actually listen to you, it's a lot more pleasant yes. at home, <laughs> you know? For everyone, yeah. yeah, for parents and children. Exactly. It's more pleasant for them. It's more pleasant for the parents. You know, it's more pleasant as a, you know, a husband and wife because you're not on edge because your kids are, you know, doing stuff, you know, those things like that. And, but I think that's an important thing for us to think about, you know, that that God's law has promises attached to it. There's even the promise of do this and you will live, right? Hmm. Now, there, insofar as we're sinners, that will always accuse us. And unless we try to go, okay, so do this and then I will have eternal life. Well, you can't, right? <laughs> you stand yeah. condemned under that very thing. Because even when God attaches that promise to his law, we still in our sin are incapable of, of achieving it. But it doesn't take away the fact that God actually says, hey, do this and good things will happen, right? Um, and you know, Luther will talk about that, you know, in the, the large catechism, especially when he goes to, um, the, the conclusion of the 10 commandments, you know, and that, um, you know, just kind of concerning ourselves with these things and, uh, just even these temporal blessings that are involved with it. CFW Walther and his, um, proper distinction of law and gospel kind of makes a big point about this too, that the law does have promises. Um, sometimes it's a promise too. you know, do this. And you will die, <laughs> you know. That's that's a promise. Yeah. You know, is that a threat? No, that's a promise, right? Um, the, so, but but the Lord is is putting before them, you know, that you may be strong. Well, why would they be strong? Because the the Lord is their Lord, you know. God Yahweh is their God, and that you know, following His commandments and all that He does, they'll be a strong people because the them they belong to God as His chosen people, and they're going to take possession of what God is delivering into their hands and that they live long in this, that God swore to their fathers. They're living in that promise that God has um, already made to them, to their fathers, and that now they they have. But 
you know, but they're going to live long in that. Things are going to go well for them too as well. Um, and later he'll actually give some specific things to it, which, I mean, you know, I think we got to take that as what it stands there. But, you know, it's just this, but I think that's something for us to keep in mind that that if we understand that God is good, God's law is good, and that following God's law, actually good things happen for it. I think a, a whole lot of things make sense, even in our lives today, you know, when, you know, you, when you actually don't covet, you know, it's hard, you, it's, yeah. you can't not do it, but when you don't covet, you're actually content, you know, or when you, mm -hmm. when you help your neighbor and his physical need, you know, it, it's good for him. It's good for you, you know, or any number, any of the commandments we can go through that. Right. I mean, there's, that's the positive aspect of, of God's law. Yeah. And that the positive aspect of God's law is so important for us. That's one of the things I've, I've always appreciated about the explanations that Luther gives in the small catechism is the way that they both say, this is what you should not do because you fear and love God, but here's what you should do because you fear and love God. And the the goodness that's there, one of the, the things that I try to bring out when I teach the Ten Commandments is that, that positive gift that God gives to us, and so he protects it with the commandment so that we would receive that gift and all of its goodness from him. So in the fifth commandment, God gives us life and he protects it. In the sixth commandment, he gives us marriage and he protects it. And when we live in that gift of God, things do tend to go better for us. I mean, and in that way, a lot of the book of Deuteronomy can sound very similar to the book of Proverbs, which you know gives that earthly wisdom that is there in the commandments about when you live in the in the way that God has designed this world to work, things tend to go better for you. As you said, it's not a, a matter of of the quote prosperity gospel, which you know takes that in an entirely wrong direction. the The way that I like to think about it, the example I've sometimes used is similar to like a vinyl record. How when the the needle is in the groove, the music sounds good. But then when there's all these scratches on the record, it, it kind of jumps around and the music doesn't sound as good. Generally speaking, when our lives are in the groove of God's law, the music of life tends to sound pretty good. But when we're not in that groove, when we're rebelling against the way God has designed it to play, then the music doesn't sound as good. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then kind of going back to two then, and then that discipline of God, that goes back to that mm. point of why that's good then too. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. then when we get off the groove, sometimes we need smacked a bit to say, you know, get back in that groove, you know, and and, it, and, That's right. and we don't realize it. Or like, you know, going back to the parent image, sometimes when you tell your kids knock that off, right, you're going to hurt somebody, you're going to hurt yourself. You know, it's that's to think that goes better in the house, then, you know. That's right. But, um, but yeah, I, I absolutely. I think that's a, a good image. And 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 two, going back to this point, then, too, that it sounds like an obvious thing, but it's something that it's it's so important for us to these are God's people. He's talking to his people yes. too. So they have that, you know, um, I mean, in the New Testament, you know, when we talk about, you know, who we are in Christ, the formula of Concord, I mean, is big on this, especially in article six on the formula of Concord about the person who is, who, um, you know, is a new creation in Christ. And he actually delights in God's law and, and wants to hear it, you know, think about Psalm one as well, but you know, that these things like that too. So the, he's addressing these people who, who are already his people. You know, and so that's going to even, you know, how we kind of understand that as well. Those those ones who who are hearing God, even though they they swarm off, you know, but God is speaking to them directly and saying, "Hey, guys, you're my children. I'm your father. Listen to me." 
Mm-hmm. Now, the promises that are attached here, you mentioned the ones about being strong and living long in the land. The Lord specifically talks about the land in verses 10 and following, and he contrasts it with the land of Egypt. What is the Lord telling his people there about the difference between Egypt and the promised land? Yeah, he's telling them, you know, that uh, in, in verse 10, that he, he re- refers to um, kind of um, the Lutheran study Bible has a helpful note just on this, that Egypt depended heavily on irrigation from the Nile River. So the people would have to be well-trained in irrigation methods. So since you had to, you had to kind of take care of that land in the sense of you had to do certain things. Irrigation is something that you have to intentionally, you know, get water to places, right? Um, as far as I, what I know, <laughs> but, um, you know, or, or any number of things that de- depended upon that. But God is telling, look, guys, I'm the one that cares for this land. Not that he wasn't taking care of them in Egypt. That's not the point. But but this idea of knowing that you're going to go into a land, he says, of hills and valleys, which drinks water by the rain from heaven. Then's that interesting image, you know, that the, the land drinks the water from rain from where? From heaven, a land that your Lord God cares for. Why does he care for it? Because this is where he's delivering his people into. And the eyes of your Lord are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So it's saying, guys, you had to, and you were specifically too, who were they? They were slaves in that land that they were living. So most of them probably had to do a lot of work for tending the land and they will have to tend the land that they're going to. But there's this element in this too, like, Hey, I'm, I'm uh, taking you as a, as a free people, as a new people into this and this land, you know, it drinks water by the rain from heaven. I just, that's Mm. pretty vivid there. Yeah, it really is. And I I think, you know, maybe part of the contrast with Egypt too, in terms of the way that crops would have grown there is with with Egypt particularly, it would have very much depended upon the flood stage of the Nile. So when the Mm -hmm. the Nile floods and then it leaves all the silts, you know, I mean, the farming there is very much related to that where, and, and as you said, and I think we see this elsewhere in the book of Deuteronomy, that was the Lord's direction there too, though maybe not quite as obvious and, and certainly not obvious to the, the Egyptian uh, pagan idolatry. But the, you know, I think the point here then in comparison to that is you're going to get the rain, not from below, but from above, you know I mean? And what beautiful imagery Moses does use there, as you said, that the land is going to drink the water from heaven. It's going to receive, you know, you're going to receive what this land produces, not just because it's such a plenteous land, as we've already heard, but again, because the Lord is the one taking care of it. So trust him. And I, I, you know, that sounds like both a, you know, a guarding against returning to any kind of idolatry of Egypt, also guarding against the idolatry of the land that was there, you know, in Canaan and the way those pagan idolatries worked about trying to make the land fertile by appeasing the gods. So trust the Lord, he's going to provide the rain. So that's a good place to, to take our break. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFUO. We're talking Deuteronomy 11 with Pastor Andy Wright. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. 
What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable, a college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran, a college that won't take a dime of federal funding, a college that teaches the best of our Western heritage, a college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. This is Luther Classical College, a college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org, subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Monday, August 22nd. We're studying Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 1 to 32 with Pastor Andy Wright. He serves at St. John Lutheran Church in Keystone, Iowa. Pastor Wright, prior to the break, we left off in about verse 13, where the Lord is talking about the rain that does come down upon the promised land. He makes the promised land drink the rain from heaven. And the promises keep coming when it comes to agriculture, the rain. Take us into verses 13 to 15. Sure. Um, I'll just kind of kind of what God says there. And if you will indeed obey my commandments that I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, he will give the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the later rain that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. And he will give grass in your fields for your livestock and you shall eat and be full. Um, so here then, you know, as kind of we left off about talking about God's provision and God's care for this land, you know, it's, um, it's interesting, you know, if you will indeed obey my commandments, you know, there is this attachment of, of faithfulness, but yet, I mean, God does, uh, he's reminding them too to go back to, to remember kind of as he's set before them already, the works that he's done and the care and what he set apart for them to do. And, uh, that this preservation of the not only the the earth and the land that they'll be working, but also then, you know, with livestock and, and things like that, you know, um, you know, be faithful to God, you know, um, and uh, be faithful to God because he's going to give you these things. And remember who you are, where you came from, who God is and where you fit into this. And that um, that's why then 16 then kind of picks up, you know, with this take care, lest your hearts be besieged be deceived, excuse me, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. So, you know, he's he's saying, okay, guys, here are these things I'm going to give you, these things you have, you need to be faithful. You need to be faithful and don't, don't worry, don't be anxious, but I will provide for you. I will provide for the land. I will provide for, you know, all of this stuff that you will need and I will take care of you. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, and again, as you said, that you have the promise that's there for the faithfulness, and then also the promise or the warning that's there for the unfaithfulness. And, and you know, we see Moses going back and forth between those two in the book of Deuteronomy. It's no different here in verses 16 and 17, after he said, here's the promise for, you know, living in the groove of the Lord's law, which is really good for you. What happens when you go outside the Lord's law? Well, it, it's really bad for you. And the sign of that is that there's not going to be any rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and it, and it comes back to that, that, that thing in, in Deuteronomy too, that you brought up at the beginning with going back to the first commandment. I mean, yeah. uh, anytime we talk about even things like, you know, sometimes you hear the the phrase like first article gifts or, you know, just talk about God's care and creation and, um, and all of this kind of stuff like that. We always have to keep in perspective in the, the very nature of who God is as our father. And what he has done and what he continues to do, 
Um, and, and to lose sight of that and to start going off on any number of different things, like you mentioned Egypt, you know, with the different gods and that was what they thought gave them, you know, rain or the Nile or, you know, those things like that. But to remember, you know, that, um, what happens when you turn aside and serve other gods, right? Mm -hmm. That, that is not, that's not who your God is. That's not the God who, who gave you these things. Um, I had a, I, my wife and I had dentist appointments this morning and we had our teeth cleaned and, um, our, our dentist is a really great guy. And he, he always likes uh, asking me theological questions, which is great. But then I think the other patients get a little annoyed because then he's, you know, spending, you know, 20 <laughs> minutes longer with me. Cause either, I mean, when you're at the dentist office, when you're talking, they're not working on you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know? But, uh, he was, we were talking about different things today and, uh, we were talking about vocation and all kinds of stuff, but. You know, somehow it got brought up with uh, the golden calf where you think about, you know, attributing something to God that um, he has not given to himself. Like, you know, thinking, calling, you know, having a, a feast for Yahweh, you know, with the golden calf. Well, don't don't put God's name on that, you know, mm -hmm. or um, when you go into this land, you know, don't be deceived. Don't turn aside and serve these other gods and worship them. No, you're God's people. This is the land he promised to give you. Remember who he is. And um, remember then um, and fear him because he has a, a righteous anger and he will shut up the heavens as it says in 17. So there will be no rain and the land will yield no fruit and you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord is giving you. You know, so don't forget the fact that, hey, you remember the, this rain that you guys are enjoying and these, these crops that you have? You know who's giving that to you? God. You know what he could easily do? Close those things up and you won't have it, you know? Yeah. And um, I mean, there's a, there's quite a, you know, a contrast with that, uh, it brings to mind, you know, like you think of the conclusion of the 10 commandments and later it does that too as well. But you know, that we, we fear God, you know, that we mm -hmm. understand, you know, just as good things happen when you follow God's law, bad things happen when you don't, it's not to say everything is, well, X happened because, or Y happened because I did X. Well, you can't always say that, at least for us. Now here, I mean, I think you can, there is an element of, you want to turn these other gods, then don't be surprised when the rain stops, right? I mean, he just yeah. flat out says that. So there are times when, you know, God says those things, or, I mean, we have other instances in the scriptures as well. But, you know, um, but there's, um, you know, just, hey guys, you know, you, this is your warning, you know, don't, don't be deceived. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And we do see examples of the Lord doing precisely what he mentions here in Deuteronomy 11 concerning the rain. The Perhaps the most memorable one is in First Kings with the prophet Elijah, sure. where it, it doesn't rain for three and a half years mm -hmm. because of their Baal worship. Yeah. And of course, that leads to you know, that climactic scene with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. The Lord is true to the word that he he spoke here. Uh, so the both the promise and the warning, both are necessary for Israel to hear. As, as Moses continues into verse 18, uh, we hear echoes of, of a text we heard previously in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, after the very famous verse of the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We have words very similar about the teaching to the children. Here, I, I think it makes perfect sense, particularly in the context where Moses has singled out the eyewitnesses of what the Lord has done. Well, make sure your kids know about what the Lord has done too, as kind of the force of, of what we see here. What what are some of the highlights as as Moses you know repeats some of the things he's said already in Deuteronomy? Sure. Yeah. I I, I like how he starts this off, you know, where he kind of he, he roots it in where it's to be. You know, in verse 18 he says, Lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. 
you know, mm. you, you lay them up and, and uh, you know, it, it, it's like that, that famous calling for the word that we inwardly digest, you know, yeah. th those words of God that we take to heart these things. And, and we use that phrase sometimes and, and it's good to use it, but what does it mean to take something to heart or lay these up in your heart? Mm. It means that you actually uh, trust, treasure, keep, and believe, and, and you want to hand these things on to other people too, you know, and, and so that's kind of the point you're, you know, you, your very daily existence is to be concerned with the things of God. And when you bind them, you know, as a sign in your hand or they uh, frontlets between your eyes, you know, we can get, I mean, there's a whole kind of deal with what that, what that is. And nowadays, you know, with some of the Jewish people who do even still some of those things, but, you know, with echoing with, with Deuteronomy six, some of those highlights of teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, when you're walking by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. You know, if somebody were to ask me, what's one of the, the things that that uh, you really enjoy to hear, you know, as a pastor, um, it's it's when I have kids or even parents tell me that they've been talking about what they heard in the sermon or what they learned in, yeah. in Sunday school at home. You know, yeah. it's like, thanks be to God. You know, we just had VBS a couple of weeks ago. And one of the girls, um, very faithful members of the congregation I serve, that we were talking about these stories and she was like, oh yeah, my dad read that, you know, to us at, at night, you know, he reads the Bible to us every night and he reads these stories. I was like, I just wanted to jump up and down and say, yeah, hallelujah. Right, yeah. you know, yeah. thanks be to God. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And it shows too, they're in church every single Sunday too. And they ask me questions, you know, it's this or, you know, too, or I'll have somebody come to me every so often, like pastor, we were talking about you know, what you said. And I was a little confused about that. Can you explain that more? Absolutely. I'd love to, you know, it's yeah. just, you know, t that that's the thing about, you know, kind of even just delighting in these things of God and, and teaching them. You don't have to be a theologian. That's not the point. The point is that you're actually talking about the things of God and caring about those things. And that's what it means to have them in your heart and in your soul. When you get up in the morning, when you go down tonight, God is on your heart, God is on your mind and God is on your lips. And as par Christian parents, not only is that your duty, um, you shall teach them to your children, you know, um, but it's it's your delight too. I mean, it's yeah. good goodness gracious. I mean, you know, I had a daughter, one of my daughters the other day was asking about, you know, how does God take care of us? You know, because she was like, I don't see God taking care of us. And I, you know, I just asked her, I was like, well, did you, you know, who are we? And this was at, at bedtime. I think she was probably just trying to avoid going to sleep. But, <laughs> but I, I'd like to think it was a pious question. And it was. But, you know, and I, I said, who are we? Well, mom and dad. Okay. You know, did you have a meal tonight? Yeah. What, you know, what did you eat? Well, we had this. And I said, there's the answer to your prayer. Your prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. You have your parents giving that those things to you. So we're talking about those things of God with our children, teaching them. She goes, oh, okay. Yeah, God does take care of me, right? When you go down, when you when you lie down, right there, there it is. You know, we're talking about the things of God, you know, and, um, but uh, that's such a, such a thing, you know, I mean, it's every pastor struggles with that, trying to teach that and instill that. But even back then, right, God had to actually tell them, hey, guys, talk about this with your kids. It's important. Mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it, it truly is a joy when it when it is your own children who ask your they ask these questions of you that in, in Deuteronomy six, that was one of the things that was mentioned specifically when your child asks you this question, here's what you say. Right. This is, you know, more of a summary, but the the point is, and I love the way you, you pointed it out that these words of the Lord are to be in your heart and in your soul. 
I think that really helps to explain what's going on here when it comes to the, you know, the outward ways and, and, you know, how outward, what's the, we talked a little bit about that with Deuteronomy six about, you know, are we literally supposed to tie these things on as, as some Jews actually do? And, you know, is it, there can be helpful practices, but the point is that these words actually become, you know, they, they go into your very heart, through your ear, into your heart by the power of the Holy spirit. And they bear this fruit such that you you start to talk about them in your family, and it's it's not a it's not a forced thing. I mean, certainly there is a, a time where it's helpful to have a a schedule, like you know, before bedtime, say prayers, and then maybe your you know, then maybe your daughter does try to delay bedtime, but you've said the prayers on a schedule. At the same time, these things being on your lips regularly in your hearts always, it does lead to this. You know, these conversations happen, and what a joy it is. To, to have it happen all the time. I think you see that in the way Moses speaks here. He talks about sitting and and walking and lying down and rising. These are intended to be, you know, the two extremes to include everything in between. The word of the Lord's always in your heart and on your mind and on your lips. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, and it's a there, there's a fair amount of this. Not to go off too much on a tangent, but that that it's a habit you form too. I mean, it's an yeah. it's an intentional thing. That and this is where, especially as a as a Christian father, you have to instill this in your household. But you know this, um, but it becomes second nature. I mean, how how many of us you know can name whatever movie or sports team or whatever? Not that those things are wrong, but I mean, we we want to talk about those things. But let the the word of God roll off of our lips, you know, as freely and as you know fluently, you know that uh, you know that becomes that becomes you know just second nature to us that. You know, of course, we'll, we'll talk about this or this is we just we don't even have to. So we set aside those times. Absolutely. You know, that's we have to do that. And then but even to the point there, you're driving in the car, you know, hey, that's like, yeah, whatever, you know, just you know, can't think of an yeah. example. You know what I mean? But it's just I mean, it's, right. yeah. And and it, it goes back to to and, it, and it's a there's joy in that. And so even in, so in this command of God, too, there's joy as Christian parents. When you do these things, it's wonderful. Yeah. And in your household, you know, that. Yeah. That when you hold fast to hold fast to the Lord and you actually have the words of his in your heart and in your soul. Yeah. Well, and I think that that connects to what you started us with, that this is loving the Lord, your God, the one who's done all these things for you. And, and to keep us moving in the text, that is what Moses brings up again in verse 22, doing the commandment, loving the Lord, your God. There it is again. This, this is not a, this is not the, uh, a slave driver forcing someone to do something, but this is a father giving to his children. And what's the response? It is love for God in return. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It, uh, and, and, and that's something, you know, that, that word loving God means something. And it's not just a, a, an empty term too, that we just love God in a generic sense. No, we love God who actually loves us. And, you know, who knows our name and he's our God, you know, loving the Lord, your God, he's your God. And, um, and walking in his ways is walking as a child who has been adopted in the waters of holy baptism as a beloved child of God. Hmm. Uh, talk about then another promise that gets attached, attached to this, you know, if you'll do the commandment, loving the Lord, your God, walking in his ways in verse 23 and following, what does, what does the Lord say about then driving out the nations and leading them into the promised land? Yeah. He says, um, yeah. And disposition, dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. Um, and, uh, 
and every place on which the sole of your feet treads shall be yours. You know, um, I think there's something to be said that people take notice when you do these things too, mm. you know, and, um, even, uh, even when, you know, like you, it's, uh, it, I haven't had this happen in a while, but when you, like when you pray as a family in public, like say you're at a restaurant or whatever, you know, people notice those things. You don't see that very often. Not that you're doing it for a show, but before we eat, we pray, right? And my kids know that. Um, but here then too, that these to that God will be leading you, you'll be strong, as he said earlier, but also people will fear you. Um, the, the, the nations, you know, that they're going to be going um, to God, that God's people will be feared. God will take care of their enemies and he will protect them when they are faithful. Um, they will be a, a force to be reckoned with. I mean, you think about that throughout the history, right? That um, that God's name is attached to his people and he has a reputation to uphold in the best sense of yeah. the term. And uh, so then, you know, the Lord, your God will lay the fear of you and the dread of you on all the land that you shall tread as he promised you. I just, that's a, mm. that's quite a statement, <laughs> I think, yeah. you know, um, that, um, you know, you'll be, you, you will be a force to be reckoned with because the Lord, your God, as David said, you know, fights for us when he stood up to Goliath. But yeah. Yeah. Well, in the matter of the people being in dread, that's, that's fulfilled quite literally right away in the book of Joshua, where Rahab is recounting to those two spies. And, and she says, everybody's afraid of you because yeah. of what the Lord has done in Egypt. So yeah, yeah certainly the, the Lord keeps his promises here. So let's let's keep moving into to verses 26 to the end of the chapter where, it, it, you know, I mentioned toward the beginning that we start to see Moses transition here. And I think the verses 26 through 32, the close of this chapter, really start to lay out that transition where Moses says, look, there's two ways. Which way are you going to go? Uh, take us into the conclusion of this chapter. Sure. So 26, he starts off and it, it sounds very much like the book of Proverbs. And I think you brought that up earlier, kind of this whole chapter does. And a lot of Deuteronomy does sound like that too. And it should be no surprise for us when we start talking about God's law and his word and things that other parts of scripture sound a lot alike. Um, but see, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command to you today, and the curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today to go after other gods that you have not known. So it's almost kind of like there's this way of wisdom, to use the language of Proverbs, or the way of the fool, or the way of, you know, folly, or, or whatever the case may be, um, that if you want to walk in this way of wisdom, if you want to walk in this way where there will be blessing, obey the commandments of the, of the Lord your God. The curse, that is kind of, we think about things that are not blessing, but rather don't go well with us. Don't obey the Lord your God and you turn aside from him um, that to other gods that you have not known. Um, and, you know, there we there's um, temporal things, but even eternally then too, there's the curse of God's judgment and his wrath um, turning aside from him, you know, that ultimately comes to fruition. But, you know, this those those two paths, that God, you know, lays before them. Um, and as believers too, as, as Christians, we think about, you know, here's the, here's the path of life or here's the path of death. And God calls us to that path of life. And he's the one who restores us into that. He's the one who forgives us. He's the one who is the way, the truth and the life in Christ. So there's that, there's that way of blessing too. the Lord who obeyed the commandments himself for us and in our place and counts that towards us through faith. But, um, but yeah, kind of that, that dichotomy, those blessing and curse that God lays before them, he kind of gets to brass tacks here and says, listen, here's the, here's the thing, guys, 
you want to live by blessing or do you want to live by curse? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, this is this is a striking thing. I, I don't know that this is one way that it's not a way. I don't think that our world likes to think where there's a way of blessing and a way of curse, and you you you're either on one or the other. We tend to think in in shades of gray. Moses here doesn't leave that option. The Lord doesn't give that option. You either follow the Lord in His commandments, and that is the way of blessing and life, or you follow the way that is not the way of the Lord's commandments, and that is curse and death. And and it's again very clearly tied to the first commandment, and that's probably something that's that's very important to highlight. It's not just about your performance. First and foremost, it's about your faith and and where your faith is. That's what either puts you on the path of life or on the path of death, depending on where that faith is, very much tied to the the first commandment. But there's no gray area here. And, and we see that in the book of Deuteronomy. Not only here, we'll see it again, the mention of both Mount Gerizim and, and Mount Ebal, the blessings and curses. That's going to happen later in this book where there are going to be these two mountains and there will be blessings and curses. And it's it's one or the other. There's There's no gray area that Moses leaves here. Yeah. I mean, Jesus himself says you're either for me or against me. And, um, you know, so that's carries on in the New Testament. And, you know, we do we like to operate in the gray area because the gray area is where we think we can somehow pull one over on God. I think, you know, well, I can be faithful in this, but not faithful in that. Or I can, you know, well, the God did God really say, gee, I think I remember a Bible passage where that happened, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, but um but it, yeah, you're right. It goes back to, this is a first commandment thing. You know, I mean, absolutely. It's uh, who's God? Well, you're not God. So listen to God, you know, and, um, and, and then he goes into this too. He, he reiterates again. And, and that's something, I mean, throughout the whole Pentateuch, when, when God reveals himself, he reveals, you know, what he says, but his very nature and his name. Um, and he kind of asks them some rhetorical questions too. Remember guys, remember that this land that you're entering Remember, you know, um, what I've done. Remember, you know, what I will do. Remember what I've promised. You remember that, guys? That's who I am. I'm the land. I'm the Lord, your God. I'm giving you this land. You're the, going to possess it because I'm handing it over to you. Remember that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, the way that this chapter ends in verse 32 about being careful to do all these statutes and rules that he's setting before you today, which is going to be echoed in the the very next verse at the beginning of chapter 12, again, laying out that transition from primarily meditating on the first commandment, then to seeing how that applies to all the other commandments as they go and live in the land. Just this matter of, of being careful to do the statutes and rules today. It, it, on the one hand, you know, Israel goes into the promised land. It's, it's so easy because the Lord's doing it. You know, when you read the book of Joshua and you see how the Lord wins these battles for his people, I mean, marching around a city lots of times usually isn't the the, mo- the battle plan of most generals. Mm-hmm. And, and so on the one hand, you know, Israel just kind of waltzes into the promised land. It's a very simple victory because the Lord is is doing it. And maybe the the temptation then is to to take it for granted. And, and Moses says, no, be careful with these things. These, these statutes, these rules, these commandments, they are good for you. They are life. They are blessing. Be careful to hold on to them. Don't take them for granted. Be careful to do them, lest lest you fall into the destruction of these nations and, that you're dispossessing. Mm-hmm. We got about three minutes here, Pastor Wright. Final comments on the text. Help us to wrap up Deuteronomy chapter 11 this morning. Sure. I, I think uh, kind of in that too, kind of the concluding verse of verses of 31 and 32, notice what, you know, so with all of that in mind, this is what God says. He says, and when 
you possess it and live in it. You shall be careful to do all the statutes and the rules that I am setting before you today. So even as he gives that command, what does he do? He gives a promise. When you possess it, when you live in it, because why? God is going to give it to them. And that's the faithfulness and God's mercy in all of this. And as we think about, you know, who we are and what God has called us to do and what he teaches us about who we are to be in Christ, we take those things seriously. We, we um, you know, we, we take them to heart and we put them in, um, you know, on the lips of our children as well. And, and we treasure all those things, but we rest in those promises because we know where we belong because of Christ. So as the Lord puts us towards the, you know, towards heaven and then the new creation. And even as we think about our own death, we know when we possess that land that the Lord God will give to us, our promised land, our eternal rest, we know that that, that is certainly what, what we will have one day as we look, as we see Christ and look to what, what awaits us. And that, that's what we rest in that same promise that God promised to his people. Yeah, I mean, all of this talk of the land, dwelling in the land, the rest that will be there, which we again see in this text and going forward, all of this should point us forward to that rest that we do have in Christ, the the true Sabbath rest that is ours in the Savior, who has fulfilled this law perfectly where we have not, who has clothed us with his righteousness so that we might belong to the Lord, that he would be, in fact, our God, the one who loves us. And then in faith in Christ, we love him in return. Pastor Andy Wright is pastor at St. John Lutheran Church in Keystone, Iowa, helping us today with Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 1 to 32. Pastor Wright, thanks for being our guest today. Thank you very much. Great to study God's word together. The Lord brought his people into the promised land as he promised because he loves them. As he reiterates over and over again, his way is the way of life. He sets his people on that way because he loves them. God grant us to follow in his law, the way that he sets before us, the way of life, following our Savior Jesus Christ, who has kept the law perfectly in our place to give us salvation in our God. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. If you have any questions about Deuteronomy, send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. We always love to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.